Fewer. Douglas stood with the curtain in his hand, watching her as she looked at Parnassus Road exposed under the sky, a salt-of-the-earth type. Salt-of-the-earth. That was one of Marjorie's expressions. What she meant by that was badly dressed. The way the woman stood with her hands on her hips, looking down the road as if she owned it, he could imagine her life, a proper life, anchored solid to the ground. There would be a big, cheerful husband, uncomplicated children, fat, red-cheeked grandchildren calling her Nana. He could imagine the kitchen out on the farm with the radio going on the bench, the big basket of eggs with the chook poop still on them, the fridge door covered with magnets that said things like, bless this mess. A dog came along from somewhere and barked at her, making pigeons puff up in a scatter from the awning. She glanced at it and he saw a frown darken her face. He let the curtain fall and stepped back from the window. Then he stood in the dim room, wondering why he had done that. He glanced at his watch, but it did not tell him anything useful. He sat down on the bed, pulled off his boots, considered, pulled them on again. He wanted to have another look out the window, but he would not like anyone to catch him. It was only a kind of hunger, but it could be misunderstood. Douglas Cheeseman was a man no one would look at twice. His eyes were no particular colour and too close together. His lips and cheeks were made of the same fabric and his nose was big and freckled, even with the caps he always wore. In summer he could always be picked out on the site by the zinc cream. The younger ones laughed. He knew they laughed. On every job there were a couple of young blokes, only there for the week, pick up a bit of cash, move on. They laughed at the engineer standing solemnly with his roll of plans. They tossed bricks to each other and laughed from their brown faces at him, anxious in his zinc cream. He was fifty-five, but he could have been ten years either side of that. Thin, sandy hair, a big awkward mouth, bad teeth, crooked and dark when he smiled, jug-handle ears. As a self-conscious boy, he'd tried different things with those ears. He'd made an elasticised band with elaborate leather flaps to flatten his ears while he slept. He'd tried his hair short. He'd tried it long. He'd tried all kinds of hats. Eventually, he'd grown the moustache as a kind of diversionary tactic, and he'd kept it. Now he'd forgotten about his ears. He'd stopped bothering to wish they were smaller, his hair thicker, his mouth nicer. He could see now that room eight was on the wrong side of the building, where it got the full force of the afternoon sun and the heat bouncing up from the roof of the shop below. It gleamed with lino and sticky yellow furniture and smelled of beer and dust. The bed sagged under its dim chenille cover. Three slow flies circled through the heat in the centre of the room. He knew he should ask for a different room, but knew he would not. In spite of its mattress-ticking curtain, the Caledonian was not an amusing hotel. It was just a pub of the old-fashioned kind, the kind that was praised as being authentic by city folk. He had seen on the blackboard downstairs that the set dinner was corned beef with white sauce and three veg, and a follow, jam roll and custard. It was authentic country food, food from his childhood, still going strong out here in the bush but it was not going to be especially amusing actually eating it. From other Caledonians in other country towns, he knew just what the bathroom down the hall would be like. The cream tiles, 
The unsympathetic fluorescent lights, the green stains under the tap, the cistern that trickled, the shower with the water saver so you hardly got wet. There was a drought on. He sympathised. Just the same, a decent shower was a comfort in the heat. Another sort of man, he knew, would be able to make the best of the Caledonian. Another sort of man would nip down to the public bar for a beer, where it would be cooler. He would read the paper, watch the trots on the telly, would get a conversation going with a man next to him at the bar about the way the country was going to the pack. He wished he could be such a man. He got up from the bed. The structure groaned and a spring twanged as if in mockery. Hully had seen him looking, the man holding back the curtain with the D of the word Caledonian hanging upside down from a screw above his head. She had seen him drop the curtain and move back from the window, but she knew he was still...